0: Welcome to Salisbury Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. The sermon you are about to listen to was delivered on May 20th, 2012. This week, we encourage our recent graduates by taking a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Be sure to check out our website at salisburychristianchurch.org for the latest news and events at Salisbury Christian Church. I don't mean to offend anybody who is not a graduate, but um, that's who I'm going to be preaching to today. Now, the rest of you can learn a lot from what I'm going to preach, but really this is focused for those people who are graduated or who are going to graduate. We're going to be taking a look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to tell those uh, young people who are here this morning, whether you graduated or not, let's just uh, put an age limit. 30 or younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 30 or younger. I want to tell you that being young can be difficult. Young believers in America today are faced with ever-growing challenges to their faith. Uh, Public schools are being wiped clean of believing teachers and uh, even the mentioning of any type of religion, not just Christianity. Christian students uh, can be expected, I'm not saying they might, no, they need to expect that they are going to be ridiculed and maybe even ostracized on college campuses, secular college campuses. Young believers, too, are faced with a uh, barrage of hostile philosophies that seek to destroy their faith. Uh, In a cultural sense, generally, uh, young people are seen as unwise, unskilled, uh, lazy, and completely irresponsible. (laughs) You'll uh, often hear older people say, Huh, kids these days. And uh, I would uh, complain and protest about that, but sometimes our generation and the generations younger, maybe a little bit older, have uh, fulfilled those stereotypes sometimes. But uh, young believers, in the face of seemingly impossible odds, are called to do great things for the Lord. With these things in mind, it may seem a little bit overwhelming for you, to say the least. But even so, God has called you to be an example for others. You are to be in contrast to the society that you are living in. Let's take a look at uh, 2 Timothy 3.1 first to get an idea of what kind of people you may be dealing with once you head out into the real world. 2 Timothy 3, 1. It says, but mark this. In normal English, that means, listen up, this is true. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of, pl- lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Wow, Paul. There's a lot there in that scripture talking about what we uh, may see in the last days. I want you to go through that list in your mind and do you see all of those things? I do. But I think one thing stands out for those of you who are graduates and for those of you who are going into college. I want you to take a look at this. Uh, Verse 7 says, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. There are folks who devote their lives to learning, but never find the truth. They may think that they have found the truth, but they have not found the truth. So these are the things that you young people may have to face, that you may be uh, having to endure. Like you, Timothy, a preacher was faced with the difficulty of being young. But Paul encourages him in our main text today, 1 Timothy 4. We're going to be looking uh, specifically starting in um, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. That's quite a list there, guys. That's quite a list that uh, you have to be an example for. These things you are supposed to be uh, experts at so that you can be an example for those people who we just read about in Second Timothy. First, you are to be an example in speech, not the speech like kind of that I'm giving, but not the speech that you learn in high school, but in talk, in conversation. What you say matters. And not just what you say, but how you say it. Paul, all throughout his letter to Timothy, makes it clear that Timothy needs to watch his tongue. 1 Timothy 6.20 and 2 Timothy 2.16 both say avoid godless chatter. Godless chatter is the kind of talk that has no purpose. It's gossiping, it's slanderous, it's talk that makes trouble. Paul says to the Ephesians, and we have to remember that the Ephesians are the ones that Timothy is leading. It says here, Paul says to the Ephesians in uh, Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I can tell you that you will definitely meet people who are experts at tearing others down. But you are not to react by tearing them down. You are to react by building them up you are to be an example of talk that builds people up that builds their confidence that helps them grow in their faith does what you say benefit those who listen to you is your speech honoring God does it build others up rather than tearing them down those are questions that you're going to have to answer We, uh, you are, I guess I should say we too, because I'm kind of in the same age bracket here. At least I like to think so. We are to be examples in our lives. The way you live matters. Take a look at uh, verse 8. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness has value for all things. Godliness is living as God has intended you to live, obeying Him and being in relationship with Him. Just as an athlete brings his body into submission to better himself health-wise, you too, we too, are to bring our hearts into submission to serve God. We can train ourselves to live godly lives. Some people bring up this excuse, well, I'm just not a spiritual person, or I'm just not a godly person, or I just don't like the religion thing. That's not a good enough excuse because it's not what you have. It's what you make yourself to be. In the scriptures, it says that you train yourself just as you would train and exercise your body. You bring your soul, you bring your heart into compliance and obedience with God through prayer and diving into his word. Take a look at verse uh, 13. It says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This was telling Timothy as a preacher, he needs to read the Bible in public with others. For you, it is uh, diving into the Scriptures, holding on to what you know is true. Training yourself to be obedient to Christ. To be an example in your own lives, you also need to resist those who would have you live ungodly lives. There are people that are going to be along that road that you meet that say, Oh, come on. just You can leave that aside for a while. This is the college experience. This this is your time to live. You're, You're single. You don't have any attachments. You don't have all of this stuff to worry about. You're away from home. No mommy and daddy to watch you. This is your time to live. You can do one of two things. Run or stand up for God. And say that I have trained myself to live a godly life. I have trained myself. I am committed to bring honor to the Lord. You are also to be examples in love. Love matters. This one is the easiest to understand, but the hardest to put into practice. Timothy was to love those in the church, even though they may have looked down on him because of his age. He was to love those who even opposed the church and opposed him personally. He was to love like Jesus. And we are all called to do the same. Jesus did not just love those who he loved, he didn't love those who were easy to love his friends, his family those he was around, he loved those who were hard to love, who were difficult to love, his enemies, the haters, the sinners. He loved them just the same. Earlier in this first letter, uh, Paul tells Timothy in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Your conscience and your faith tell you to love. Jesus tells us to love. We are also to love God. Jesus called all to love God with all of our being, our heart, our mind, our spirit, and our strength. Your love for others and your love for God will be the defining difference of your life. While others hate and tear down, you love and build up. You're also to be examples in faith. Your faith matters. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Don't let Your faith be shipwrecked. Though the winds of the world blow on your sails, God will be your captain if only you let Him. He will keep your faith from running aground. As we said earlier, Paul says that we are to train ourselves to live godly lives in the same way we are to train ourselves in faith so that we may persevere. It is vital that you as young people, as, as graduates, as people who are going into the world, it is important for you to devote yourself to the church. I have seen firsthand and personally how devastating it can be when you leave the church. When I was in college, uh, I, the first, I would have to say the first couple of years down at SIUE, I was away from mom and dad and uh, away from everybody I knew. And um, it wasn't that I uh, chose not to go to church, it's just that I didn't go because I didn't have a church home. And I figured since that I was brought up in the church that uh, I would be all right, I would be able to stand uh, and persevere in the things that were brought my way. But without constant support from the church, I started to fall away. And I came. So close, so close to losing the faith that I hold so dear. And it was the church, just in the nick of time, that stepped in and brought me back into obedience to Christ. Never, ever give the excuse that you just don't have time or that you want to sleep in or that you have homework to do. Nothing is more important than your faith. If you're going away to college, find a church. If you're staying near home, we're here. Just because you've grown up doesn't mean that you have grown away from the faith that you're too big to go to church. It's important to be supported by those who love you and by the church that Jesus Christ put in place. Finally, you are to be An example in purity. Now, what does purity mean? Your purity does matter. Uh, The Greek gives us the clue. It is a purity in our morals to be without moral defect. In a world that has so much moral defectiveness, you are to have moral effectiveness. Those around you may tell you that there is no real set of rules or morals, that there is no right and wrong, what what may be right for me is not necessarily right for you. Again, you have two choices. Run from it or stand for God. In a world uh, that is full of this moral defectiveness, you need to stand for the truth and never stray from what you know as the truth. And I don't uh, spell truth anymore with a lowercase t. I spell truth with a capital T because there is only one truth, only one standard that we live for. It's God's truth. And you need to stand for what is right, opposing what is wrong. And I will tell you, it is easier to throw away your morals at the drop of a hat. It's easier to live that way because you won't be in opposition to the world. It's much easier to live pleasing yourself, it is much easier to live pleasing others and not having moral purity. But we are not called to live an easy life. We are commanded to work hard for the Lord. Take a look at uh, verse 15. It says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. So that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Perseverance is always a forward-looking thing. You don't grumble about the things that you have persevered. You don't uh, uh, boast about the things you've persevered in. You look forward at persevering through more trials. You have a lot of persevering yet to do. Some of you in this congregation have less persevering left to do. But you still must stand the test of time. God will see you through. God will see you through. If you persevere, in verse 16 it says, It is for your benefit. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Not only will you ensure that you persevere in the faith, but you will bring other people to faith. You are an integral integral part of God's salvation, of God's salvation plan. God is saying to you young people and to all of us here this morning, your speech matters, what you say matters. Matters. The way you live matters. Your love matters. Your faith matters. Your moral purity matters. And most importantly, you matter to God.